Good morning. My name is Benjamin Brown. I have the scripture reading for today. We're reading from Acts chapter 27, verses 1 through 2, 7, and 9 through 12. When it was decided that we were to sail for Italy, they transferred Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. Embarking on a ship of Adramidium that was about to set sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Nidus. And as the wind was against us, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmone. Since much time had been lost and sailing was now dangerous, because even the fast had already gone by, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I can see that the voyage will be with danger and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Since the harbor was not suitable for spending the winter, the majority was in favor of putting to sea from there, on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, where they would spend the winter. This is the word of God for the people of God. Appreciate you. Uh, Ben's always one I can call on when I've got difficult names, readings. got a booby trapped up here this morning it's like <clears throat> anyway uh <laughs> we appreciate that also appreciate our worship band it was exciting today i got ava on the base out there doing good appreciate you ava <laughs> always good to work in a new town i got Lacey and betsy on the keyboard she's very versatile and that's all yeah and so <laughs> so we're proud of them and all that y'all do we're thankful for you serving and giving your talents in that way and uh, got, always good to have Jack with us. Hey, poor Jack back there, <clears throat> back on the side, and all of us so talented. And uh, as we've heard this word read to us, let's seek the Holy Spirit's understanding of what it means for our life today. So join me in a moment of prayer. God, we just thank you for being able to come in this place, um, to live in this land of freedom, celebrating our liberty that we can worship here without fear, as is not the case in so many other places. Uh, Help us not to take that for granted, God, to um, give thanks to you, to worship you in this place. And as we've lifted up our voices in song and now as we've heard your word, we ask that you come into the form of your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds, leading us and shaping us, transforming us into the people that you have created us to be and call us to be. I pray, God, that you would enable me to proclaim your word in a way that is understood and is compelling to, to call us all to honor you with our very lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, if you were with us, we began a new series of sermons here where we've been talking about how we might become immovable, able to stand our ground in a culture of chaos. And last week, we really focused on how do we deal with the chaos that we create on our own, through our own sinful disobedience, through our own um, misguided and sometimes um, unwise decisions. Well, today we're going to be talking about how we confront a different kind of chaos. The chaos that we encounter that's not of our own doing, but rather the chaos that's just part of this crazy, mixed up, and fallen world that we live in. Now, personally, you may not be prone to a lot of chaos in your life, but I can assure you that the world around you is, and the people around you are. Um, Every day we're reminded, uh, we get all kind of reminders about how fragile this world is. It's not near as safe and secure as we might like to think it is. I mean, I, 
I don't know about you, but I just dread watching any news now because it's like every day there's some kind of new chaos going on in the world around us. And it gets frightening. And, and I'm not talking about the chaos that we see politically or in the weather. There is that we have to deal with all the time. But also, I think many of you have had to deal with this on a more personal level every day um, in your marriage, in your family, perhaps uh, in your business, in your job. Your world is becoming increasingly unstable and it seems like there's just a lot of chaos going on in your life. And when that happens, it doesn't matter how together you may be uh, spiritually or, or uh, personally, uh, the chaos affects you. It affects all of us. And so what do you do when the world around you is crashing down? Well, that's what we want to focus on this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about how the chaos that um, you really can't do anything about. It just... We encounter it as part of life. How do you stand strong, immovable, in the midst of such storms? And to do that, we're going to be looking at a, um, a story in the Bible found in Acts chapter 27 that was just read to us. It's a story about the Apostle Paul, who is on a ship in the midst of a storm, and everybody around him seems to be losing their head, and for some reason he is able to stand strong and stand firm in the midst of that chaos and I think the events that we find in this story parallel how we should try to deal with the chaos that we encounter in life. So that's where we're headed this morning. And as we read earlier, Acts 27 begins with Paul sailing to, to Italy. And it's kind of interesting. When you read the book of Acts, when you get to chapter 27, the pronouns in the book suddenly change from he to we. Now, it's kind of understood that at this point, Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, is along for the ride. So we're getting it from his perspective. Now, Paul's life was already quite chaotic before he ever set foot on this boat. Remember, he is um, going, going to Rome. He's going to be um, on trial before Caesar, which could possibly lead to his death. He didn't know at that time, and that's actually what happened. But um, the chaos that he's encountering is really not of his own doing, other than the fact that he faithfully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the chaos came about because of the the fallen world that he was living in and because of a government that was hostile toward the teachings of Jesus. And after he boarded the ship, things went from bad to worse. Uh, Because the ship, which contained 276 passengers and the whole cargo of things, uh, it ran into this terrible storm. And as Luke records, nobody really knew what to do or how to handle things or what, how to, what decisions to make until Paul finally stood up and started uh, addressing the issue. And as we work through this story today, I'm going to lift up three observations that I want to draw your attention to. And if you want to be the kind of person that's able to keep your head on straight uh, when everybody else can't, if you want to be the kind of person who's able to stand strong in a culture of chaos, then these are three general truths that I think you need to, to be aware of and, and to keep in mind. And the first thing is that when you encounter chaos, you need to recognize that chaos will not fix itself. Chaos will not fix itself, and you really can't count on others to fix it for you either. The truth is problems rarely, if ever, fix themselves or just go away by their own, right? They tend to get worse if we're not confronted. And the second law of thermodynamics is the inevitability of entropy, which is the tendency for the natural uh, order of things to go from order to disorder. 
And that seems to be the case when it comes to our problems. Left unattended, they just go from bad to worse. And that's what happens in our lives so much. As Paul sets sail on this ship and it encounters this storm, they couldn't just cross their fingers and hope that this storm is not going to do what a storm of its size can't help but to do. Uh, they, 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 they needed to take action. They needed to uh, have a plan in place, a strategy, because the storm wasn't just going to go away. It wasn't just going to fix itself. But they refused to do this. <clears throat> and as this ship sails into troubled waters, Paul tries to warn them. In verse 10, he says, this is going to be a disaster. He says, sirs, I can see that the voyage will be with danger and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. See, Paul wanted them to put on the brakes. He said, wait, you know, we need, to, we need to wait out this storm. Let's winter here where it's safe because, you know, the waters at that time of the year are basically inavocable because of the storms. But Luke tells us the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship, which was to sail on into the storm. Now, there are three uh, phrases in this part of the story that really stand out for me. The first phrase is found in verse 9, where we read, Much time had been lost. Much time had been lost. That's the nature of chaos, isn't it? I mean, uh, chaos is the ultimate time killer. Until you find a way to confront the chaos you're dealing with, you just find yourself losing more and more time. Another phrase that stands out to me is uh, verse 15. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Driven along. You ever find yourself in that situation? Where you just give up? You give in to the problem and it just kind of drives you along? You're too tired to fight back? Too discouraged to resist? And the problem just drives you along. The other phrase that jumps out to me here is found in verse 17, or verse 12. Rather. Paul had told the leaders what they needed to do. But Luke writes, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on. Now, in certain situations, especially in crisis situations, very often, the majority is the last group that we need to be listening to. Because the majority, the crowd has this kind of hive mentality. And the hive mentality of the majority rarely leads you into making the right decisions. Uh, there's actually been a study done by this, uh, on this by Cornell University. And um, they observed numerous situations where people were trying to answer a particular question where there was an opinion being expressed by the larger group, the majority. And what they found is that people who thought they had the right answer were increasingly silent when the majority began to express its opinion. I, I think we all understand that. There's, there's many reasons for that. We've all been in that place where we didn't want to go against the crowd, you know, because we weren't sure, even though we thought we might be right. But the study goes on to point out that the reason behind this is that in the individual person's mind, the more people have the same answer, the more that group has power and influence over the decisions of someone else. Someone will most likely follow the crowd even if they have the right answer. Then it goes on to point out this could be a dangerous situation. 
Since people let go of their development of the thinking brain, which causes them to stop coming up with their own opinions about the given situation, this can lead to things like dependency and, and the inability to critically think and come up with your own opinions. The worst part, though, is that most people can easily start to believe anything the crowd says or promotes. This is because of the power in presence. The crowd may be completely wrong about something, but it will be believed by everyone because many people agree. And in the end, whatever the crowd says will almost always be believed as true, even if it could be completely wrong. What does that ever speak to the world that we're living in today? <laughs> Where people are so quick to join on to the tide of popular opinion without critically thinking, even when they might have the right answer. Well, that's, that's what's going on in Paul's situation. The majority could not collectively see the red flags that a few of the leaders could individually see, and they weren't willing to listen to what they had to say, even though they had the right answer. What this says to us, I think, is that there's going to be times when you have to be willing to stand alone against the tide of popular opinion. You have to be willing to do what you know is right rather than just being a part of what everybody else thinks is right. Chaos, it will never fix itself. And most of the time you, can count, you can't really count on those nameless, faceless, other, the majority to fix it for you. Well, what can you do then <laughs> if that's the case? Well, let's move on to our next uh, observation here. And that is that you can acknowledge that God is in control of even the most out-of-the-control situations. Now, let me say up front that I'm not saying that God is the author of our chaos. Uh, God is the redeemer of our chaos. God is not the author of um, disorder or destruction. God is the redeemer of disorder and destruction. Destruction. People often get confused about this, you know, because you're right, you, know, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? And so when uh, storms come and when chaos is encountered, then it must be that God has caused this for some divine reason, right? Well, that may be how people in the Middle Ages looked at that, looked at things, or maybe in the Old Testament, but that is not our understanding of God today. God does not create the pain or the suffering or the chaos we encounter in life. As we talked about last week, a lot of the chaos we experience is due to our own bad decisions. It's due to the fallen nature of this world that we live in. The whole biblical story is about how God has tried to redeem humanity over and over again after doing things that God didn't want us to do. When hurricanes hit or when tornadoes hit us, it's not because God has caused those to happen for some divine reason. I mean, we understand more and more the, how the human footprint um, affects global conditions today. Uh, yet, when a storm strikes, God is there. God is there in the presence of his people who are seeking to redeem that situation. And We've all been a part of that. We've all experienced that. In today's story, we see how Paul reminds his fellow passengers that regardless of how chaotic and uh, hopeless this situation may seem, that they needed to remember that God is ultimately in control. When things were at their worst, God gave Paul a word that he shared with everybody on the ship. It's found in verse 25. He says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Then a few verses later, Luke says, 
after he had said this, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and he began to eat. Then all of them were encouraged and they took food for themselves. So the best thing that you can do when you're in the midst of an out-of-control situation is to acknowledge that above and beyond everything that's happening, God somehow is still ultimately in control. That God in this situation, though I can't see it now, in some way, so I can place my trust in God. Now, God being in control of the situation doesn't mean that we're not going to ever face times of difficulty or experience chaos. What it means that is in spite of the chaos, as Isaiah says, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save and the ear not too dull to hear. God's message to Paul during the midst of that crisis was essentially, you're going to make it through this, Paul. You're going to get through this because I am with you. And you can too. If you want to be able to keep your head on straight, and everybody else seems to be going, going off, when you, if you want to be able to stand firm and strong in the face of a culture of chaos, you need to remind yourself of this every single day of your life, that ultimately God is in control, that God's going to be with me no matter what I face. God can carry me through it. Somehow God can redeem even the worst of circumstances I can place my trust in him. All right, so the first two observations are that, you know, chaos does not fix itself. And listening to the majority probably isn't going to help either. But God is in control. God can redeem any situation we encounter. He can, he's going to be with us through that. And so we can put our trust in God. But where does that leave us? Just holding on, um, driven by the chaos we're experiencing? I don't know. Uh, as you see from this story, one of the keys to standing firm in a culture of chaos is to try to take charge wherever and whenever you can. After this boat had taken such a beating from the storm, we read in the passage that they threw off most of their cargo overboard to keep it from sinking. Uh, they had gone two weeks without having any kind of food, without taking any food to eat because it had just been so bad. And then it got to the point where Luke writes, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And it's at this point that the Apostle Paul speaks up once again. He says, guys, I hate to tell you that I told you so, but I told you so. Right? <laughs> Almost exactly what he says. He says, so you didn't listen to me the first time. We, would, we probably could have saved you from this mess, but maybe now you will listen to me. You know, you may not be able to steal the uh, waters of chaos around you. You may not be able to, um, to take char- charge and to change the public tide of opinion or to change the economy or to change what some pl- politician does or doesn't do. You may not be able to control your spouse or your child or your boss or, or your customers, but you can take control of what you do. And like Paul, you can speak the word of leadership into that situation. You can take charge. You can, you can model leadership for others in the midst of crisis. Verse 33 is one of those other little verses that stands out for me <clears throat> where Paul says, today is the 14th day that you have been in suspense. In suspense. Some of us know exactly what he's talking about here, don't we? Because that's what chaos does to our life. It, it leaves us with this nagging, never-ending not knowing what's going to happen next. Suspense. 
And it's the not knowing that wears us down to the point that it leaves us with no hope. But based on what takes place in the story, there are at least three things that we can do when we're confronted with chaos in our life. First, you can take charge. You can take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. In verse 33, we read, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. Now, it's been two weeks that this has been going on, and it wasn't over yet. So the best thing that they could do for themselves in that situation was to take care of themselves. So Paul tells them, you need to eat. Now, oftentimes, the first thing that we do when we encounter a moment of crisis in our life or chaos it's encountered is that we do just the opposite of that. We don't take good care of ourselves. Uh, we either don't eat or we stuff ourselves with things that are unhealthy. We either don't sleep at all or we sleep all the time. Uh, we either withdraw emotionally or we blow up at every little thing that happens. We often try to medicate our situation with you know, drugs or alcohol or shopping or food. or you, you name it, all the other kind of healthy ways you do that. If there is chaos that is going on in your life that is leaving you in a state of not knowing, the first thing that any good friend or person would tell you is to take care of yourself. You need to eat right. You need to get adequate sleep. Uh, take a walk once or twice a day. Taking care of yourself enables you to, in, to maintain that uh, emotional equilibrium that can help you through the chaos. Then second, we can lighten our load. In uh, verse 38, after they had satisfied their hunger, we read, they lightened the ship by throwing the wheat into the sea. Now, why did they do that? Because they didn't need it anymore. <laughs> Uh, they, now, they now needed to lighten the ship so that it could make its way to the shore. I don't know about you, but I often find that in moments of chaos or crisis in life, that we often discover or we're better able to define what is really important to us, what really matters the most to us. You ever notice how that works? Uh, often, in, in order to stand strong, in the face of chaos, you have to find a way to lighten the load. You have to find a way to get rid of the, the baggage, the unnecessary clutter in your life so that you can focus on what needs to be dealt with. That may be a friendship. It may be a relationship that is leading you in a wrong direction. It may be some kind of financial obligation that is draining you of your resources. It may be um, you're involved spending too much time in an unproductive area so you really can't focus on what you need to focus on in life. Uh, you, you may not be able to control the chaos that's going on around you, but you can put yourself in a, in a better position by lightening the load. So you need to ask yourself when faced with chaos, what do I really need and what do I do not need? What's really most important right now? What can I maybe get rid of that can help me to better face this situation? Lighten your load and let go of some of the clutter. Thirdly, we can get ready to do our part. Oftentimes our prayer in times of crisis or chaos is, God, I want you to come down here and, and save me. I want you to take care of everything, uh, uh, fix this, make everything right. There's really no effort on our part. We want God to save us from the ship and put us on the shore without being inconvenienced in any way. But that's just not how life works. Not usually. I mean, most times uh, it works for us the same way it worked for these guys who were on this ship in Acts 27. The boat was approaching the shore. They could see the shore. And suddenly we read in verse 41 this, The ship struck a sandbar, and it ran aground. 
The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. <laughs> After all they have been through, they get so close, and then this happens. Just a few hundred yards from the shore, and they're in trouble again. So what do they do? The centurion ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get their own planks or other pieces of the ship. That way, everyone reached land safely. Listen, when you're in the midst of the chaos, sometimes you have to swim your hardest. (laughs) And sometimes you just have to hold on to the plank and just, just hold on as hard as you can. But either way, you have to be willing to do your part to be able to get to the shore. God does not promise us that life is always going to be easy with no chaos. God does not promise us that the sails, the, uh, the wind's always going to be in our favor and the seas are always going to be calm. Nor does he promise us he's going to swoop down and rescue us every time we get into trouble. That's not the role that God plays in our life. God promises us that he will see us through and help us to get through any chaos we face. And we can count on that. But you can also count on the fact that in order to get through that chaos, you're going to have to have some skin in the game. You're going to have to be willing to do your part. You're going to have to be willing to swim and sometimes hold on the driftwood and dog paddle as best you can. But you're going to have to be willing to do your part to get safely to the shore. Those who stand strong and are able to be immovable in the culture of chaos around them are those who refuse to surrender to the chaos. They don't just give up and to give in so they're drifted and being driven by the storm. They may be momentarily victims of the circumstance, but they refuse to remain so. Why? Because they know that God is ultimately in control. They know that they will be seen through this storm. God's going to help them. He's going to walk with them and carry them, and he can redeem anything they face. And so they trust in God. They hold on. You know, sometimes we really have no control over the chaos that we encounter in life. But we, can't, we do have control over us, what we do. And that's the point this morning. For even those who are going through a time of uh, extended unknowing of what the future holds, the way that you're able to stand firm is being willing to say, I'm ready to do my part. I'm ready to take care of myself. I'll take care of myself. I'll lighten the load in the areas I need to. I'll swim as far as I need to swim, as far as I can. And when I can't swim any further, I'm willing to hold on to the promises of God, trusting and knowing that God will see me through that, and God will redeem whatever situation I'm facing. So I just hold on, and I trust in Him. That's how we navigate these chaos moments that we encounter in life. That's how God comes alongside of us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we we confess and we realize that we all have those moments of chaos that we face. Life just throws curves at us, God, and we things seem to be going fine and and we find ourselves surrounded, everything's out of control and we don't know what to do. We're like those people in the ship. We, we can't make the decisions we need to do. We can't um, head where we need to head. We're just paralyzed by it. We left, we're left just being driven by the chaos. We thank you for this story, God. It shows us how we might trust in you to realize that no matter how bad it gets, no matter how chaotic it gets, you're still in control. 
that we can trust in your promise to walk alongside of us and that somehow, even though we can't see it, you will redeem it. God, we, I believe that there are those in this very congregation today that are facing chaotic, chaotic times. We thank you for this word. May we put our trust in you. May we do our part, whatever it takes. We thank you, God, for your promise in Jesus Christ. Amen.